Welcome in to another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. Pierce, don't look yet, but we are a third of the way through the season as of this week, and uh, I'm not ready for it to end. It's, I know it's only a third, but it feels like it's going fast. It's going very fast, but uh, we're starting to get into the heat of the season. Going to have uh, a lot of marquee matchups, a lot of rivalry games uh, in our future, so this really gets down to the uh, to my favorite part of the season. Week three is over. Some good upsets, some unexpected things happening, some teams crushing our souls by not covering the spread. Uh, I uh, I did not do well in our pick'em. Had our little brother on last week, in case you didn't hear that episode, and uh, I uh, picked basically opposite of you and throughout the entire thing, and uh, I only got one right. When are you gonna learn? It was really bad. You when and you, you went. You went. Uh, I think you got six right. Got five right so hopefully I'll bounce back this week uh, for this week's uh, picks we brought in somebody uh, still kind of close to the family somebody you know kind of grew, grew up with uh, as close to a cousin as we have since we don't have a ton of those so I'm gonna bring him on in he's a uh, what, I think he's a senior this year uh, in Kentucky and uh, a frat star as if you've ever seen one so uh, welcome in Jeff Prifty how are you doing guys happy to be here <laughs> well, happy to have you yeah excited to have you on uh your mom has been uh you know just texting our mom every single every single week saying podcast was great when's jeff gonna be on so uh, we thought you know i want to wait till kentucky's playing somebody and georgia's playing somebody so you can add to the conversation well not to not to uh intimidate jeff our guest or anything but he will be the most knowledgeable and I'm calling Grant out because he was a little timid at first. So uh, Jeff Jeff has a lot of knowledge and, and watches a lot of football and knows his stuff. So um, excited for this week. Excited to see if uh, I can finally be taken taken down uh, as far as picks go. Yeah, we'll sounds see. like the bar was set high. So I'm I'm excited to uh, see what I can do with you guys for the picks. Try well, to go very cool. Out. Very cool. Thanks for coming in, and we're gonna get right to it. Uh, Start right off with our tweet caps. Of course, this is where we go through and we talk about last week's games, give you kind of the updated score, what the, however the dust settled, and uh, I'll give you a little tweet-worthy uh, headline, and then Pierce and Jeff are going to go ahead and expound upon that a little bit uh, with any extra tidbits they might want to add. This is the one I was hinting with at the top of the show. Just absolutely so close to covering the spread, but couldn't quite get it done. UGA 43, Missouri 29. Of course, that's... We were picking uh, 14 and a half. Yep. That half point is what got us. Uh, I wrote for my tweet cap, new era of Bulldog football leaves fan base unsatisfied, but a win is a win in the SEC. I think we got to keep it. we got to temper our expectations. So this, this uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen often. This was the second weekend in a row that I actually did not get to watch really 95% of the football on Saturday and Sunday due to work. Um, so that was unfortunate last week was obviously pleasure with golf, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think it was our best performance. Um, I think that we struggled to run the ball really, um, surprisingly Holyfield did well, but yeah, it just came down to some miscues and, uh, it fact check here. I think Missouri was one of the only teams out of maybe two that covered against us last year. So maybe they just have our number and covers cause you know, George is one of those teams where, when you cover the spread every game, you're elite. Elite teams cover the spread. I'm not going to look that up because I don't care enough. But uh, what say you, Jeff? Anything to add here about this uh, UGA game? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was the tale of, you know, some big plays um, in Georgia's favor. We uh, Obviously, Nicole had the big play, the, blunk, the blocked punt, the 
fumble recovery return for the touchdown. Um, just a bunch of big plays. I thought that saved us. Um, you know, it was an ugly performance, and the players, you know, kind of tweeted about that. They talked to the media about that, how it almost felt like a loss. Um, you know, they talk about playing to that standard, and it just really didn't feel like they played to that standard. Um, so they're hoping hoping to get back on track this week with Tennessee. Well, if we can't get it done versus Tennessee, then we just need to hang up our hats and go home because that would be <laughs> pathetic. All right. No offense there, Caroline and Hank. All right. Uh, Texas A&M, 23, Bama, 45. Aggies prove there's a minimal chink in Alabama's armor in the blowout loss to the Tide. It's something to be said about the fact that the Aggies could move the ball on, on uh, Alabama. Yeah, I think uh, A&M, sneaky, sneaky team this year. Um they're gonna they're gonna upset a team or two. Maybe hey, watch out LSU. That might be one where they sneak up and uh, can can pull off the upset. But um, Alabama just continues to do what Bama does, so it's pretty uh, pretty simple. Um, no, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, obviously, it's looking more and more like Tua is the real deal. Um, I was kind of wait and see. Um, he got all that pub after the national championship. And I was like, oh, he played a half, yada, yada. But it's looking more and more like he is the future of Alabama, obviously, and, you know, turning into one of the faces of college football. Certainly. Hey, and, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that uh, with all of the press that Alabama's getting about mismanaging their QB situation, uh, you know, Jalen's still there and Kelly Bryant's packed up and uh, leaving Clemson. So I'll talk about that more in my good, bad, and ugly, but uh, something to note there. All right, next up, South Carolina 37, Vanderbilt 14. Vandy proves they are still the Vandy we know and love as the Gamecocks bounce back from the UGA loss. Of course, their last week's game, or the week before that, getting canceled because of Hurricane Florence. So what do you have to say there about uh, South Carolina and Vandy, Pierce? I'll keep this short and simple because these are tweet caps. I know the last two um, explanations I've gone over 150 characters. Oh, it's Uh, 240 now, by the way. Or 260, something like that. Okay, I'm not into that (laughs) as much as you are. That said... Knew Vandy was going to come back down to earth at some point. This was the game. South Carolina better. Enough said. I I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I think Muschamp, you know, he's still getting still getting his program together, turning it into his program. Um, you know, they, they got some good athletes better than Vanderbilt's, um, and I think the score kind of showed that. TCU 16, Texas 31. The Longhorns are back. Or maybe TCU isn't as good as we thought they might be. Yeah, this this is a tough one. Took this one on the chin. Um, it's a major setback for TCU. This is who I think we thought they were going to be. Um, immature, breaking in young players. Um, and at the end of the day, when your quarterback commits three turnovers, two picks, and they all lead to touchdowns, it's hard to overcome. Same with Ohio, same with the Ohio State game. So. Um, gotta be, gotta grow up and, and man up and, and learn to limit those mistakes. All right. Well, that's, uh, Pierce's analysis of his alma mater. Jeff, do you have anything to add there about the uh, Texas schools? No pressure if you don't have anything to add about these. I know that it is, uh, like watching paint dry to watch TCU in Texas. You know, I actually sat and watched an entire TCU game with Pierce. Um, that was the only game of them I watched. Um, I really like their wide receivers. Um, but yeah, I agree. Texas Texas, I don't know what to make of them. Um, I don't love that quarterback, Er, Erline. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, you know, Tom Herman's bringing in some guys, um, and it's about time they kind of right that ship. I feel like. Well, how about um, this, Jeff? Remember Darius Anderson, the running back for TCU, watching him run all over Ohio State last week. 
I do, I do. He didn't do jack squat. He had eight carries in this past game. I mean, that's like that's kind of really? like Georgia last year not running Sonny Michelle more often than than not, you know, and and having Chubb in. That was mm-hmm. that was one uh, shocker to me. So, and I know you you know how good that and talented that guy is. So, I don't know what was going on in that game, but it wasn't good. All right, well, we'll move on there from the Texas schools. I'm sure TCU will bounce back. This one is the one that I just I, I couldn't even really think of a tweet cap because I didn't really know how to put in a tweet. Just laughing. Florida 47, Tennessee 21. Things look rough for the Vols as they are only going to get worse as Pruitt and Co. enter three-game gauntlet at UGA at Auburn and then home versus Bama. I mean, ouch. I, I, I don't really know what to say. I, <laughs> I want to be happy, <laughs> but at the end of the day, Florida, I hate worse than Tennessee. That's, it's tough. I, I, I would have loved to watch this game because I bet it was just a sloppy, just who was who could be – the least, who could who could not be as bad as the other? It wasn't who could be the best. Who could be just a little better than worse than the other team? Well, I know that you've got something to say about that, Jeff. So what what do you got about this game? Yeah, the first thing I thought of which which quarterback could look the worst and still pull out <laughs> the win. Um, I really think Felipe Franks is a train wreck. Um, that quarterback position in general has been a train wreck for them. Um, but, you know, their defense normally does help them out. They got a bunch of athletes. They got a bunch of transfers this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm going to touch on it a little bit with the uh, good, the bad, the ugly as well on the Tennessee front. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot going <laughs> Not there. a whole lot to add. Hard <laughs> to find so, positives for Tennessee in that game. Absolutely. All right, Mississippi State 7, Kentucky 28. Who are you calling a basketball school? Cats dominate number 14, Mississippi State. <laughs> Man, they may be for real. Um, I I will admit, I, I thought Kentucky would play well and at least cover this game. Um, I thought the media was overhyping Nick Fitzgerald and company. That said, they do have some dudes on that defensive line and, and on defense. Um, and their running back that's that stepped up this year is pretty daggum good. Um, but the Cats might have a little something special uh, in the bag this year that, that you know, some teams aren't going to be able to come in there and think they're going to bully them around. So um, impressive, impressive victory. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, Kroger Field at night, um, it's it's a tough, a tough place to play. You never really have a ton of success going in there. Um, they'll always keep it close, but yeah, I mean, Kentucky did a good job shutting down their run attack for Mississippi State. Um, you know, Terry Wilson and Benny Snell, that one-two punch they have running the ball. I think I read today they lead the nation as a one-two punch with quarterback and running back leading uh, the country with 781 rush yards. Um, so I mean, they're they're legit on the ground. Benny Snell is kind of made his way into that Heisman talk that obviously will depend on how well Kentucky does the rest of the year. But I mean, Kentucky, we'll see. I'd like to see him keep winning. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I bet it's fun there uh, in old Lexington. Although uh, setting cars on fire, flipping cars. I hope that you guys don't uh, <laughs> keep doing that. I, uh, I refrain from all that. And uh, 
Trust me, I hear the word on the street around here is the SEC East runs through Lexington. So we'll, see in, we'll see in late November. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's going on with that race? Hey, I would love to see an unbeaten Georgia and an unbeaten Kentucky there in Lexington. That would be an interesting one. Better matchup Game than we day. usually get with those two schools. All right. Texas Tech 41, Oklahoma State 17. Alan Bowman goes 35 for 46 and 397 yards in Stillwater, ending a nine game losing streak to the Pokes. Pierce, that's the Big 12 right there. What you got to say about that game? Shocked. Um, I think a little bit has to do with the fact that Oklahoma State coming off a big win at home against Boise State. You could consider it an upset, even though, you know, yes, they were not as highly ranked as Boise State. They, they, they're going to have the talent. Um, but, yeah, just shocked that, that Texas Tech could actually slow Oklahoma State down. Um, it'll be interesting. Texas Tech has West Virginia up in uh, in Lubbock, so it'll be an uh, interesting game to watch, no doubt. A lot, of, a lot of points scored in that one. Oh, boy, yeah. All right, Jeff, anything to add there about uh, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State? Uh, yeah, I agree with everything Pierce said. You got to feel for a friend of the show, Summer Frazier, um, and her pokes with that. Oh, Lord. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Texas Tech, their offense – that's something else. I'm looking forward to watching them play West Virginia this weekend. Listen, Summer doesn't watch Oklahoma State football. She's too busy at EDM <laughs> concerts. She <laughs> is, yes. I guess she made the late decision to come down to Athens this weekend. So oh, is she? That trend of not watching. Well, she's never going to miss a weekend with David Hughes, let's be honest here. Oh, who, who would ever want to miss a weekend with David <laughs> oh, Hughes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, Stanford 38, Oregon 31. This one hurt. This one really hurt as a uh, Oregon fan. Ducks left speechless in overtime loss to Stanford after leading 24-7 to at halftime. Pierce, did you stay up and watch the end of this game? I went to bed. I went to bed. I was like, oh, this is great. We took care of business. I'm going to go to bed. This is, you know, whatever. And uh, woke up to the news that my phone, you know, blowing up with tweets from people being like, what? So this was actually the only game that I got to see. Um, I was actually on the West Coast. So it wasn't too late. It wasn't like a midnight game for me or, you know, in the East Coast or in Central Time. Not Pac-12 uh, after dark, Pac-12 no, after sunset. Pac-12 normal time, yeah, yeah. So um, got to watch most of the second half, was shocked that Stanford came back. Um, that The quarterback, if, if Costello can, can continue this trend of, you know, just being able to bust the top off a of defense, he's going to provide so much help to Bryce Love just being able to give him more room. They're not going to be able to crowd the box as much, load the box as much. Um, it's it's a big deal. I'm, I can't believe they came back in the way they did, being more of a run-based team. Um, but I was I was, I was was more impressed with Oregon than I think I was Stanford. I expect Stanford to win this game by a, t- by, by a touchdown to 10 points. I didn't think they'd have to come back like they did. So kind of a tale of two halves. It was, uh, it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, it should be interesting with uh, Stanford going into Notre Dame. Of course, Bryce Love dealing still a little bit with that injury, but uh, that's not the game we're focusing on right now. Stanford and Oregon, do you have anything to add there about that, Jeff? Yeah, I thought the story was uh, Costello, too, with the three touchdowns. Um, And then the overtime, like you said, yeah, it's Pac-12 after dark in the morning, East Coast time, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Bryce Love didn't have the greatest game. you know, they kind of rode him, but, I mean, if Costello can play like that, Stanford could be dangerous in the Pac-12. How about this? I got one stat to throw out here because I think this is uh, helmet sticker worthy, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Dylan Mitchell, wide out, 
for Oregon. Overlooked. He didn't have a single touchdown in this game, yet had 14 receptions for 239 yards. Mm. Shout out to him. That is a yeah. that's a game right there. Well, maybe you'll have to stick around for my good, bad, and ugly there, Pierce. All right, uh, next up, Wisconsin 28, Iowa 17. Horny Brooks touchdown throw with 57 seconds left lifts Wisconsin to a win, avoiding a two-game skid. Of course, they lost to BYU a couple weeks ago. Anything to add there about Wisconsin and Iowa, Pierce? No. Typical Big Ten, just duke it out in the trenches, kind of sloppy, not, not much fun to watch, probably a noon game. No. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> okay. Jeff? Yeah, Pierce kind of took the words out of my mouth. I feel pretty no similar love. about the Big Ten. But, uh, I mean, going into Iowa, that's a tough place to play. Uh, good little bounce back for Wisconsin. I think it's just one of those things where it's you kind of expected this from both teams. You know, you expected Wisconsin to win, and it's still to be a slugfest and kind of close, but run the ball, run the ball, punt. You know, not much, not much passing. Just typical Big Ten style slugfest and outside of Ohio State. Okay. Well, our last game is Arizona State 20, Washington 27. Browning is back on track after holding off Herm Edwards and company. Browning, fun fact, went into the game having as many touchdowns as he had interceptions. Of course, now that is uh, outweighed and he does have more touchdowns than interceptions. But, you know, for all the love he's getting, uh, you know, for looking down the line at drafts and things like that. Uh, wow. Yikes, yikes, yikes. So, uh, but they, they end up winning and uh, that's that's all that you need. When you're the 11th team in the nation, after getting beat last week, um, and and that being Arizona State, I thought they would come back, and and I actually thought they would upset Washington. Not gonna lie, um, I knew they'd hang around, but Jake Browning does enough, um, you know, just kind of was a game manager, and and they need to figure out. They, my biggest problem with them is Gaskin is good of he's going to go down as the best running back in Washington history. Yet, the dude is one of those backs that always bounces to the outside. They don't have someone that can run between the tackles, and I think that's where they're um, they're going to come into some trouble here in the Pac-12 when they play some teams like Stanford and Oregon and some of those teams with some serious dudes in on the line of scrimmage. All right. Well, anything there to add about the fighting Herm Edwards or uh, Jake Browning and co? Not a whole lot. Um, I'm interested to see how Arizona State finishes the season with him. Um, I definitely have my eyes on Herm because just because of who he is. But uh, Washington's got a decent matchup this week, so we'll see how they do. Dare I say he's one of the uh, – or he's getting off to the best start, rather, of all the first-year coaches. Let's be honest here with some of those others. You got Willie Taggart and Chad Morris struggling at their prospective schools. And then Herm Edwards – Holding it, uh, go, getting you know, giving Washington a run for their money and uh, winning some games he shouldn't have. Looking at you, Michigan State. All right, well that's going to do it for our tweet caps. We're going to go ahead and head into our good, bad, and ugly. I think I'm going to let you go first, Pierce. Uh, of course, this segment is where we go through our good performance of the week, our bad performance of the week, and our downright ugly performance of the week. Mine uh, is simple. I'm on the opposite side of uh, one of, um, let's just say our guest speakers, uh, our guest pickers, bad. 
I, I think it's got to be Kentucky. I mean, when you can back up, yeah, there was a week in between, but when you can back up a um, a win after 31 years of losing to Florida against you know a top 15 team in Mississippi State who has great talent, um, they may not be as deep as as the elite teams, but um, I mean, find me another better performance and and a, and a kind of statement win last week. I, I don't I don't have one. All right, Jeff, what do you have to say about your uh, good performance of the week? For my good performance, I went with the special teams of Georgia. Um, I say that I, I know Rodrigo didn't have his greatest game, and he actually, for the first time this season, had a kickoff that was not a touchback. But I will say Jay Camrata, um, the punter, didn't allow any returns which is nice. Um, it's nice seeing the punting be such a plus compared to years past. Um, and then just from a return standpoint, Nicole Hardman, three returns for 91 yards. And, you know, every time he gets the ball in his hands, I just get this little feeling in my stomach. <laughs> he might just take it. Um, and you knew, we even saw Eric Stokes back there return some punts. The blocked punt, um, I'm just not totally used to the special teams being this good. I'm used to you know, guys like Logan Gray going back for punt return and just fair catching as soon as the ball comes off the foot. So for me, the special teams has been one of our better aspects um, for Georgia, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Sure, I agree with you. I, I, to your point, I remember back in the Ricked years where we would just let the punt every single time fly over our head, and uh, <laughs> it'd be downed on like the one-yard line. Here's a name going, for y'all. The last return man where I felt like – Outside of Gurley returning kickoffs, but on the punt return and just overall special teams that I thought was special, way back, Damian Gary. There's yep. a name for y'all. Yep. Well, okay then. So you don't even know who I'm talking about. Well, you're much older than me. You're like 30 years old. So. I'm two, two years older than you. Thomas <laughs> Flowers, we had some good ones. All right, all right, give me your good. Let, right, let's hear right, this. Right. You got a lot to live up to. My good, and I've already hinted at it, Justin Herbert at Oregon. I mean, this is one of those things where I don't necessarily believe in a moral victory, you know, where you lose a game, but you come, ac- come across going, well, that was a good little, you know, good outing, and we learned some stuff. Uh, but he still looked good. 26 for 33, 346 yards through the air, one touchdown, did throw an interception, uh, and they almost upset number seven Stanford. That would have been huge for Oregon. Uh, especially in Mario Cristobal's first year. Um, Again, I don't necessarily believe in moral victories. I don't know where y'all fall on those. But this counts as a major win for Herbert and the Ducks uh, moving forward. Uh, We'll go ahead and move into our bad peers. You need to stop texting so that you're ready for this when I go to you. All right. The bad performance of the week for you, Pierce. It's all research, baby. It's all research. Well, you could have done that before the podcast, but that's okay. Well, this one actually didn't take any research. TCU losing to Texas. They have better talent, regardless of what the stars say. It's inexcusable to lose. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. It's inexcusable. It's weak. It's It was a lack of want to and, and playing to a standard, as they say. That's, that's clearly the bad. No ifs, ands, or buts. All right, no love for his alma mater. What about you, Jeff? Speaking of no love, I'm going to go with my current university. Um, I'm going to go with the storming of the field for Kentucky. Oh. Um, you know, I am not big on storming the field. Especially, I, I get the situation, kind of, but <laughs> beat Mississippi State, and then you have a half-hearted storming of the field, um, which also got them a $100,000 fine. 
um, which isn't, I mean, that's kind of pocket change, but I'm just not big on storming the field. I told Pierce, if I had been in the stadium, I left, I left in halftime, I would have watched my friend storm the field and probably made fun of them when they got home. Oh, okay. So he's not big on the, the hype train. Come on. After I'm all not, these years. Big, I like the hype train. I'm just not big on storming the field. And the word is they're going to have extra security this weekend just in case. <laughs> All right, well, my bad is the Clemson quarterback situation. Uh, this is kind of a twofold situation. One, I feel good for Kelly Bryant. He's not having to burn that year of eligibility. He's going to be able to get out, use the red shirt, uh, the four-game red shirt rule. Uh, he'll be a graduate. He'll be able to play right off the bat uh, wherever he transfers. But transferring out of this program, you're leaving. I, I, don't, I don't blame him for this. In fact, I'm all for it. Uh, this is why the rule was in place. But you do leave some serious lack the lack of depth at Clemson. Of course, Trevor Lawrence is a dude, but you're one bad play, one tweaked knee, uh, one rolled ankle, one jammed finger away from having to put in your third, your what was a third string, and is now your backup. And then they have their former walk on as now the third string. He's actually the son of the strength coach. So it's it's just one of those things where you start getting kind of concerned. Uh, you know, good for Dabo going ahead and naming Trevor Lawrence the starter before he would burn that uh, red shirt uh, so that Kelly Bryant can get out and go transfer and go play his senior year but lord have mercy if you're a Tigers fan you got to be a little nervous and that's something that if you're if you're Alabama and you look at them and you keep saying mismanaging the situation mismanaging the situation with Jalen and Tua last time I checked they still have two studs uh, for them on QB at Q, the QB position and so if Tua goes down they just pop Jalen in and even though Jalen's, Jalen's no Tua as he's proved he can still get it done for you. So a little bit of a bad situation there. I'm a little nervous to see how it works out for the Clemson Tigers. I'm sure they'll be fine, but uh, just something to keep your eye on here as the season progresses. All right, well, we'll go ahead and finish out with our ugly performance of the week. Pierce, you're up. The old Oklahoma Sooners. What in tarnation are you doing going to overtime with Army? A, a late game. You don't have a big game upcoming. What are you doing letting Army hang around? Unbelievable. Kyler Murray, while efficient, 156 yard or 65 yards, had a had a pretty bad pick. I mean, the fact that a team that is is the so called fifth team fifth best team in the land can't beat a triple option team, the most gimmicky offense in, in football. I, do you deserve to be in the top 15? I, I'm not sure if you do. That is atrocious. They need to get some things fixed over there on their on their run game or else they're in or, or rush defense, excuse me, or they're in trouble. You know what's more ugly to me? This game was not on cable. You had to pay pay-per-view to get it. So those Oklahoma fans who shelled out $50 to watch their team have to go to overtime with Army, ooh, I would have been pissed. I would have been pissed. All right, well, that's, I think that's a valid, uh, a valid ugly performance there. What about you, Jeff? So for my ugly performance, I'm going to go with Tennessee's recruiting from the weekend and into the future. Um, so this weekend, big game with Florida, rivalry game. Um, they had a bunch of high-profile recruits in, in Neyland Stadium. Um, the tandem from Grayson, Wanya Morris, and Owen Papo, two five-stars. Um, Justin Rogers, five-star for 2020, just a bunch of high-profile guys in the stadium watching that big old stadium just empty out before the game ends. That's not a good look. And, you know, that what's that three-game stretch coming up? Georgia, 
Auburn, Alabama. Oh, yeah. I think they have a buy somewhere in there. Um, you got to imagine Georgia's going to bring a lot of high-profile guys in this weekend that are probably looking at Tennessee who are going to see that. It's just – it's going to be tough. Pruitt's going to have to sell, uh, you know, the fact that you can maybe come in early and play. But if you're looking at good football, a team that will, you know, perform these next three weeks, I don't think you're going to see that out of them. Yeah, and you got to look at things like last year, flipping uh, – Kirby was able to flip Cade Mays – five-star offensive lineman you know what other guys are sitting out there that are considering Tennessee or, or committed to Tennessee that are going to go nope uh, certainly not good either to see your coach having a hissy fit trying to fight a whiteboard on the sidelines either you want to see a guy who's fired up and ready to, to lead his team but you want to see somebody who also has his crap under control certainly so that's a good ugly performance uh, mine kind of you know I can't pick Florida State every week it would just be kind of what are you doing with yourself uh, give them a break a little bit but uh uh, it kind of has something to do with them. Old Dominion taking down Virginia Tech. Wow. Uh, of course, Virginia Tech absolutely dominating Florida State earlier in the uh, season, to start the season off, rather. Old Dominion, I, I, I want to focus here, and this is one of the same thing I did with Samford and Florida State. I want to focus more so on Old Dominion's performance than Virginia Tech's. Certainly the Hokies putting up an ugly performance, but uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, Blake LaRussa, 30 for 49 just under 500 yards through the air, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, they did have uh, one, uh, Jeremy Cox, who went uh, over 100 yards rushing. So, I mean, again, I'm not sure what to think of this performance at the end of the day. I'd like to see, it's one of those, we'll look back at the end of the season and kind of see where everything, all the cards lie. But uh, right now I'm looking at this going, if Virginia Tech gets beat by Old Dominion, wow, Florida State really must be that bad. Uh, again, can't pick Florida State every week, but uh, if I can work it in there and just absolutely disappointed in the performance there from the Still Hokies. found a way to get a dig in on them. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> you're allowed to when you're, you know, I went to school there. I'm allowed to be disappointed in them. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our good, bad, and ugly. We're going to go ahead and start looking ahead. Week, week four is behind us. It's time to look forward to week five. So, we're going to start it all off. We picked ten games. That's the rules. You know, go ahead. And uh, I didn't do it through, uh, I didn't order it in any particular order this time. Usually I do it based on when the kickoff is, but uh, won't have that. I don't have a neat, tidy bow for you guys out there today. Sorry about that. But let's go ahead and jump into it. Number 12, West Virginia taking on number 25, Texas Tech in Lubbock. Texas Tech is going to be getting three and a half points on that game. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and, uh, you know, I'm going to let you guys lead the analysis here, and I'll just give my picks at the end of it. Uh, but I will say I think it's going to be an old-fashioned shootout. What say you, Pierce? Agreed. Um, West Virginia, better team, better QB. Um, that typically wins out. Lubbock, not a great home field advantage, not as good as, you know, an upper echelon team. West Virginia covers this spread pretty easy. All right. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I think this is going to be a – Fun game to watch. Um, I love Will Greer. I think he'll be a very high pick in the draft, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with West Virginia as well. I think they win by a touchdown or two. All right, yeah. And, and here's the thing. Here's some interesting stuff, though. Texas Tech is number one in the nation on offense. They are have are averaging 623 yards per game. West Virginia, though, is eighth in the nation with 545. So again, like I said, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, the difference to me is West Virginia's defense. They look a little stronger and um, I, I don't necessarily like them just by a touchdown. I like them big. Unless like Texas tech is either blowing teams out or they're getting blown out. Give me West Virginia. Give me them by a lot. 
All right, next up, Florida taking on or traveling to number 23, Mississippi State. Mississippi State is favored by seven points in that game. Uh, homecoming for Dan Mullen of, of sorts. I mean, he kind of came home going to Florida, but he's coming back to the school he left. Going to have to take on the boys he left, Nick Fitzgerald and uh, a bunch of other Bulldogs. So uh, what do you say about this matchup, Pierce? Mississippi State covers this spread, um, fired up to play their uh, former coach. They've got a great D-line. Felipe Franks, when pressured, is not a very good QB. He's only good when he can stand back there and is clean in the pocket. Um, they don't have much of a running back, in my opinion. Um, I think Mississippi State wins this uh, by 10 to 17 points. All right. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I'm with you, Pierce. I think Mississippi State covers. Um, I think the Cowbells will be rocking. Um, I believe that's a night game as well. Correct I think me you're right, I'm yeah. Wrong. Six o'clock, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it'll be rocking in there. Um, I think we mentioned Jeffrey Simmons earlier. He should be disruptive up front. Um, and if you can't run the ball, I'm not sure I like Felipe Franks trying to beat you in the air. Um, so I'm going to go with what Mississippi State covering here. This is the thing that kind of scares me a little bit about this game. I agree with y'all. I think Mississippi State, they cover. Uh, like I said, they, it's a homecoming for Mullen. They're going to be fired up. This is the coach that left them uh, in their senior seasons, junior seasons, what have you, recruited them there and then left. Um, the thing that scares me a little bit is UF leads the nation with 14 takeaways on the season. Fitzgerald and Kylan Hill uh, at running back there have got to protect the ball. Uh, I do think they do that. I do. I am going to pick Mississippi State, and I think I'm going to pick them by a lot. Um, but it, it's going to be crucial for them to not let Florida capitalize on those uh, turnovers and getting a bunch of turnovers, rather. So uh, that, that'll be the uh, difference maker in this game if they can do that. Next up, Stanford, number seven in the nation, taking on number eight, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is getting five and a half points on that game. Um, not sure I like this spread that much, but uh, what say you, Pierce? Unless Costello throws for 300-plus yards this game, um, Notre Dame covers this spread. Wouldn't be surprised to see them in the upset. Um, Stanford coming off a pretty emotional, hard-fought win. Got to be exhausted. Long travel. This seems like the perfect spot with a team in, in Notre Dame who can stop the run, plays good defense, and as long as they hold Stanford, you know, they don't let Costello throw for 300-plus, they'll be able to outscore 17, 20 points. All right, Jeff, what do you say about this game? You know, I'm, I'm going to disagree with Pierce here. I think this is a big game, so I think they will be up for this game. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame's kind of struggled. Um, you know, you look at their, their record, they're 4-0, and but they struggled against Michigan. They struggled against Ball State. They struggled against Vanderbilt. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Stanford here. I think they get up for it, and I believe Wimbush has been unseated as the quarterback. You are uh, correct. So yeah, they're they're breaking in this new guy. Um, I'm gonna go with Bryce Love, Costello, and Stanford here. So to your point, Ian Bookhout is uh, he's it's not official. He hasn't gotten the official nod from Brian Kelly, but it's pretty much said and done. Uh, Ian Book is gonna be starting over Wimbush. But it's because of that that I'm going with Notre Dame on this game. Uh, Wimbush has proven to be, you know, shaky at best for Notre Dame. They've just kind of held on with him because they, they want to give the nod to the older guy. But Ian Book really ha had them in their uh, stride last week. Um, it's going to continue to roll. I, I still think Bryce Love is dealing a little bit with some mobility issues. Didn't have the strongest game versus Oregon. And uh, he, I mean, he only has 254 yards on the season for a guy that notched over 2,000 last Last year, uh, he's not even on pace to do half of that. So that scares me a little bit. Give me Notre Dame. 
give me them by 10. I'm saying they, they dominate Stanford. All right, wow. uh, and that's going to have major playoff implications, so that's definitely one that you should be watching. If not, uh, go ahead and set your DVR. All right, well, it's time to get down to the SEC for another SEC matchup, rather. South Carolina taking on number 17, Kentucky. Never thought I'd say that Kentucky's ranked on this podcast, but hey, it happens. Kentucky is going to be giving a point and a half on that game. What say you, Pierce, about the Cats? Like Notre Dame, my Notre Dame pick, I'm putting on my Sharps hat and going South Carolina. A little better talent. Um, Kentucky coming off a huge, huge win last week. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see them come out a little flat. Carolina wins. It's a toss-up, but I think Carolina, give me under a field goal, I'll take Carolina all day. I'm interested to see who Jeff picks in this. I've uh, I've heard, I've been warned, he's not going to be a homer, so let's see what happens. Who you got? Um, So I guess you could call me a little bit of a homer here. I'm going to take the Cats. I just think it is so tough to come in here. Um, you know, the school's excited. The fan base is excited. It should be a sellout. Um, and, you know, Benny Snell, I mean, he's going to get his per usual, I think. And Terry Wilson, he'll run it if Benny's not. The run game is a lot to handle. I think Kentucky gets it done by a touchdown. You all are right. I think South Carolina does have the better roster from a talent standpoint. But, I mean, Kentucky's rolling right now. I agree with you. Kentucky is attempting to go 5-0 and for the first time since 2007. 11 years boys Snell is being incredibly productive 540 yards on 87 touches this season seven TDs um, that being said South Carolina defense fourth nationally on third downs uh, they've just allowed eight conversions on 33 attempts granted they played one less game than most people but still uh, I think you know that's that's again that's gonna be the key matchup to watch Kentucky's gonna have to convert some of those third down attempts but I do like the cats give me the cats in a close one all right, back up north, Ohio State, number four in the nation, taking on number nine, Penn State. Penn State getting three and a half points on that game. I'm interested to see what you say here, Pierce, uh, having watched the close, uh, or not a close, but you watched it closely, rather, Ohio State-TCU. Um, I don't know, if, is anybody going to pick Penn State on this? I don't think Ohio State is as good as advertised after watching TCU and knowing knowing their team pretty well at this point in the stage of the season. Um, that said... I think Penn State's the biggest fraud right now in college football. Um, at home, that is a huge advantage. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. They're going to be barking at Urban Meyer, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, Dwayne Haskins is legit. They still have the better roster. They get five stars and four stars every year. Penn State's been shaky, even at home, even in the opening game of the season. I I think there'll be a lot of hype. Wouldn't be surprised to see Penn State take this, take a lead into halftime, but Ohio State covers the spread. Um, I, I view this more as a seven-point favorite for uh, Ohio State. Um, give me that, and I might be a little worried. But three and a half, Ohio State all day. So ultimately, you don't like either of these teams, but if you have to pick one, you're picking Ohio State. Agreed. All right. Well, there you go. What about you, Jeff? Um, you know, I don't love either team as well, um, and I do think this will have some playoff implications like we talked about. Um, love Dwayne Haskins. Obviously, he's incredible. That offense is something. But, you know, TCU did hang with them. Um, and I, Ohio State hadn't really had a true road test. Most teams haven't. Um, you know, they seem to have a little bit of home field advantage against TCU even. Um, I don't think this team is 70 to 30. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they've seen an environment like this. And Ohio State's liable to, you know, 
go into one of these games and lose it, um, Joey Bosa being out, that has to have an effect. He's He could be the best player in college football. Um, quarterback battle, McSorley, I like him a lot. I'm going to go with Penn State here. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you guys. I think they cover. All right. He's got Penn State there. Uh, so I, I got to say something here about Dole James Franklin. Of course, we watched him coach when he was at Vandy, and it's like all of those pent-up years of frustration of getting beat up on the big boys in the SEC, and he's kind of manifesting that at Penn State. I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with the term BDE, uh, as as, uh, popularized by uh, Ariana Grande about Pete Davidson, but uh, I'll let your mind wander with that one, but uh, James Franklin has the opposite of that. He's got a little bit of a complex, and you know, Penn State's one of those teams who are never really great, but if you just look at the scores and you don't watch their games... You're going, oh, okay, they, they look pretty good. They beat up on an Illinois team. But those points came in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, when, when they just kept drilling it down their throat. They really kind of were hanging neck and neck for most of that game. So a little bit of uh, secretly garbage, in my opinion, a little overrated, in my opinion, as well. Uh, as, you're, as you pointed out, Jeff, Haskins, 87 for 115, over 1,000 yards on the season so far, six touchdowns, only one interception. Trace McSorley, for what it's worth, is also pretty good, 57 of 106 for 763 yards, eight touchdowns, has thrown two interceptions. So it's going to be pretty evenly matched there at the quarterback position. My difference here is that Ohio State's O-line is massive. Haskins has only been sacked four times this season. The average weight of the offensive lineman for Ohio State is 309 pounds. Myers back with his boys, and they're going to keep rolling. Injuries be damned. Ohio State wins big. All right, we're going to move on here. BYU, number 20 team in the nation, taking on number 11, Washington. Washington giving 17.5 points on this game, and uh, I think that's a lot. What about you, Pierce? Um, when you th- when you look at surface level, yes. But here's, here's what I'm going to say. Look at who BYU has upset. Arizona, rushing team. Tate tried to throw. He is not a throwing, a passing quarterback. He needs to run. Okay, they go to to Madison, Wisconsin. Rushing team, not a passing school. Browning's going to have a field day. This one's going to shock a lot of people. But give me Washington. I think they win by 24-plus, running away with it. This game's not even close. Even though BYU is scrappy, they they can't hang with with Browning and company. Browning has his first truly big game, and, and they run away with this in the third quarter. All right, Pierce likes the Huskies. What about you, Jeff? Um, I'm going to go with BYU here. They, uh, that's a tough, scrappy team, just like he said. Um, I do think Washington wins. I think Browning will get his. But 17 and a half, I, I think BYU can keep it to a touchdown, 10 points, somewhere in there. I think they'll definitely cover. I agree 100%. That's exactly what I have written down in my notes. Uh, ultimately, I think Washington wins, but 17.5 points is a lot. Uh, I'm really high on the uh, BYU defense. Sion Takitaki did great a couple games ago versus Wisconsin. They definitely got some confidence with that win over Wisconsin. And uh, Browning has looked a little shaky in the past game. So uh, give, me the, give me the Cougs or the Fighting Mormons to cover, not to win. <laughs> All right, next up, Ole Miss at LSU. LSU is going to be giving 12 points on this game, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think that's enough points. What about you, Pierce? Mm, I'm torn over this game because this actually is a sneaky rivalry game. Um, I'm I'm going to go LSU. I, they're, they're the better team at home, but it would not shock me to see Ole Miss score points and hang, hang within 12. 
Um, I think, though, at night, hostile environment, seeing how Ole Miss has struggled against some superior opponents, um, 12 seems like a reasonable number, but it's an iffy one. I'm going LSU minus 12, but not too confident. Ooh, okay, Pierce likes the Tigers. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I kind of went back and forth with it, too. I feel like LSU has to come down to earth at some point. Um, Ole Miss has a tendency to just kind of hang around. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not completely sold on Joe Burrow. Um, if you really think about it, he left Ohio State. I think he was the third-string quarterback. I think Martell probably took him over. I, I, I really like A.J. Brown at wide receiver for Ole Miss. Um, I do think LSU wins. But I do think it's close, and I think Ole Miss covers. All right. So he's taking the uh, Rebels or the uh, Land Sharks, whatever you want to call them. Whatever you want to call them. All right, yeah, um, Ole Miss, 42 points a game that they are averaging. uh, But they're allowing a lot more points than LSU. I think LSU proved that they can stop a pretty – uh, you know, lethal offense with Auburn a couple weeks ago, um, and they just look overall defensively a little bit better than uh, Ole Miss. Um, they're allowing LSU is allowing only 14 points a game. So for that reason, I think that you're going to see Ole Miss be able to move the ball. But I think that ultimately the Tigers come up big in the uh, later half of the game. So give me LSU. I think 12 points. Like I said, I don't think that's enough. I think it needs to be closer to like 14. All right, uh, Oregon, number 19 team in the nation at Cal who's number 24 in the nation. So this is a uh, ranked, an all-ranked Pac-12 game, which is an interesting one. Cal is going to be getting three points on that game. Uh, Pierce, who do you like in this uh, Pac-12 matchup? Another trap game for Oregon. Um, that said, Cal? I mean, no, no chance. Oregon wins by three. Even if they come out sluggish, they win this pretty easy. Ooh, okay. What about you, Jeff? Looks like we're going to disagree again. Um, I'm going Cal here. Uh, You look at it. I mean, Oregon's pretty banged up. Um, uh, What's his name? Taj Griffin. He's out. They got three running backs who are at least questionable for this game. They're a little banged up. Um, I don't love Oregon. I don't think anybody does. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm going to go with Cal here. I I think Cal will win at home. All right. Oregon uh, dominated most of the Stanford game, and that's what it's going to come down to for me is Oregon, you know, yes, they came up short, but, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, it looked like they were going to win the game. Uh, Cal did beat BYU 21-18, to and that's, of course, why we're seeing them up there in the top 25 because BYU, you know, doing as well as they are. But I don't necessarily love Cal. Uh, I will say Chase Garber's 45, for, or 45 of 66 with 449 yards through the air, six touchdowns. Um, but the thing that really gets me is the fact that, uh, and I get they don't run the ball a lot in the Pac-12, but Oregon's rush defense is, uh, you know, after coming off that Stanford game, only allowing 75 and a half yards on the season. That's pretty big. So, uh, you know, Chase Garbers is going to have to be on his game if Cal wants to win this game, and only a, th- only a three-point spread. So for that reason, give me Oregon, and uh, I, I think they uh, easily handle Cal. All right, this is going to be an interesting one. This is one where we uh, probably could talk for days, but uh, we can't because it's uh, – only, you know, we try to keep these things to uh, around an hour. All right, Tennessee at number two, UGA. UGA giving 31 and a half points. Is that too many, Pierce? Uh, I need another drink, and that's what most people are going to be saying in the second quarter. <laughs> this one's a blowout. Second quarter? Yes. Okay. Yes, Tennessee doesn't score more than 10. This is a blowout, 31 and a half. 
joke of a number. Georgia wins this. Running away, elite teams cover. Okay. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, going off of that, I think this will be a blowout. Uh, you know, Kirby, Kirby and Pruitt, I can't imagine they love each other. Um, I think this is a statement game for Georgia, which I was hoping they'd make last week. Um, but I think they bounce back, and this is probably a good week of practice. Um, and, you know, they, they really want to come out and just smack them in the mouth. I agree. I don't know if I necessarily think that it's done in the second quarter, like Pierce says, um, but I will have to say it's an interesting matchup. Uh, if you kind of know anything about the Georgia program, you know that Pruitt kind of helped get UGA to where they are currently. Uh, he was there a few years ago, brought in some pretty key defensive recruits. Uh, then you get him, you know, really pushing for that indoor practice facility. They didn't have that before him. He, he really did make some strides there, really reinvigorated UGA at a time where Richt kind of had it just in a lackluster, um, you know, just kind of on, on, uh, standby. Um, that being said, he's got a long way to go at UT. Like I said, at the top of the uh, podcast, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I kind of feel bad for them. 31 and a half points is a lot. Um, I really struggle to say, yep, because Kirby's not the kind of coach that's just going to absolutely ram it down your throat. That being said, there is no love lost here between Pruitt and UGA. It really didn't end well. None of the players that played with or played for him, rather, uh, you know, have nice things to say about him. There's some, you know, weird speculation and rumors about his time in Athens. I don't think that uh, 31 and a half points is necessarily too much. So for that reason, um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take UGA. We're all going to pick him. 31 yeah. and a half points. Are we crazy? <laughs> Not at all. I don't think so. All right, well, we'll see. Our last game of week five, number 14, Michigan, taking on Northwestern in Chicago. Uh, uh, Northwestern is going to be getting uh, 14 points in that game. Pierce, uh, do you have anything to say there about uh, the Wolverines and the uh, Wildcats? No doubt Michigan has a more talented roster, but um, Pat Fitzgerald will have his team ready to play and his defense ready to play at home. That's another, te- that's another field that just seems to play very slow. As long as they can stack the box, limit the rushing, make Patterson beat them over the top, I think Northwestern covers 14. All right. What about you, Jeff? Um, you know, I hate to do it. I got a good friend who plays for Northwestern, plays D-tackle, Jake Saunders. But um, nice. I'm going to go with Michigan here. Um, there's a kid, the tailback, Jeremy Larkin, who's a stud. Um, had to retire from the game this week, which I hate seeing that. Um, that's spinal stenosis, which you hear about these days. He had to retire. He's a big part of their offense. Um, I think Shea Patterson and the boys will be too much. I think they win, and they win big. I agree with you. And, hey, that's a good call, too, because my 14 points was a lot for me because Michigan's kind of hit or miss. But he, under Harbaugh, Michigan either loses by a little bit or they blow out teams. So I think that they win, and I think they do it in pretty big fashion. Didn't know that about Larkin. That is uh, unfortunate, and uh, obviously hoping that that young man uh, rebounds from that after uh, having to retire from the sport. But, uh, yeah, I I think I like Michigan in this game, and I think I like them by a lot. All right, that's going to do it for our Week 5 look ahead. Now we're going to go into our next segment. This is where necessarily we don't condone gambling, but if you were to gamble... These are the games that we say you should pick. <laughs> Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Money, 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 money. <laughs> dollar, dollar. Dollar, dollar. 
we're doing the over-under on these games, not the, uh, not the spread. So, Pierce, go ahead with your first easy-peasy game. We're going only over-under again? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to veer. Because here's I'm, the thing. Here's the reasoning. Because I'm too I, good at, no, at, uh, no, against the spread. No, no. For three weeks, I texted you and I said, we're doing easy peasy. This is what it is. Please pick games that we didn't pick in our look ahead. Why? Because you already told the people what you like in those games, and then you were just reiterating, and okay. you didn't do that. And well, you, every single time for easy peasy, you picked the same games, and we'd be like, all right, I think I like Notre Dame over Vandy. And then I'd go, okay, what about for you for easy peasy? And you'd go, oh, lock it up, Notre Dame over Vandy. It's going to be great. Well, it's called easy peasy segment for a reason. Reason. If it's an easy peasy game, I'm by God taking them. It's so called easy peasy, here's not what I'm redundant. Gonna do. Here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I've got two over under for unders for you that'll blow your socks off. But I am going against the spread on one which was not on our pick'em because it's the best lock it up, best team to bet on in college football. UCF minus thirteen and a half versus Pitt. That is just book it. They are money makers. UCF, you bet on them, you're going to get a return. On your investment. Um, the national champs. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me started <laughs> on that. Now I'll go to your over-unders. Thank you. Shocking, I know, but there's a reason why this number is so high. Give me the over in the West Virginia-Texas Tech game at 75 and a half. If this was in Morgantown, maybe I could see that raucous crowd slowing down or messing with the Texas Tech offense. But I think this is a game that goes, both teams get in the 40s and and maybe even kind of like an Ole Miss, you know, Texas Tech game where it, or, or, or another game. This, these are two teams that are going to be in the 40s at the very minimum, let alone they can each get to 60. No defense is played by either of these teams. So give me the over in that game at 75 and a half. And then book it under 48 in the Texas-Kansas State game. Texas is riding high. What they do is run the ball. Kansas State likes to muck it up at the line of scrimmage. They don't have the athletes that Texas does, but they'll come out fired up. Texas will be a little bit cocky coming out off two big victories against USC and, and TCU feeling all high and mighty. It is at Kansas State and Manhattan, which is a sleepy town but has a sneaky environment. Under 48, give me that all day. Those are my locks of the week. Okay. Jeff, did you pick any easy-peasy games? No, no pressure if you didn't. I, I did. thought I you did. Two. I have two. Okay, go ahead. So first off, I'm gonna go with the Clemson and Syracuse over at 65 and a half or 66 and a half. Excuse me. Um, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence is at the helm now. Um, for those who haven't seen him throw a long ball, I recommend you get on your computer and watch him throw some footballs. It is beautiful. I think they let him air it out. All game, show the nation. They know what they're doing. Let him throw the ball. And then Syracuse, too, they have scored 30 or more in every game. Obviously, they haven't played a defense or defensive line like Clemson has. But I think that game goes over. And I think that is a lock. All right. And then besides that, I'm going to go with Western Michigan and Miami of Ohio. That game going over 55. Um, you know, I really like Western Michigan and their offense right now. Um, and then not a lot of people know about Gus Ragland, Miami of Ohio's quarterback. I've watched him a lot in high school. I've watched him 
through college, he took them to their first bowl game in forever. It seemed like since like the Ben Roethlisberger days, um, they got some athletes on that team. I, I think that game will go over. And um, I also think Western Michigan covers that, that one point spread as well. Okay. Well, there you go. Those were our easy peasy games of the week. Um, that's going to do it here for this episode of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. I uh, want to thank our guest picker, Jeff, for coming in. We are going to go here on this. Uh, I, I do have one last question for y'all. We're a third of the way through the season. I don't feel like I'm necessarily jumping the gun. Really quickly, who y'all got as your Heisman front runner right now? Pierce? Well, the easy answer would be Tua, but I'm not I'm not going to be taking uh, – I'm not picking Tua. Um I'm going to go... Remember when I said fast? Tua. Okay, Tua. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, you got to go Tua. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty simple right now. Oh, ooh, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say Benny Snell Jr. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you see. haven't yet, get on SnellYeah.com. It's his own personal hype website. He's got all the stats, highlight videos, whatever you want to see. SnellYeah.com. That's incredible. Snellyeah.com. Snellyeah.com. That's great. All right, well, that's going to do it here for this episode of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. We'll be back next week to recap this week's games, bring another guest picker, and uh, be back to our general nonsense, tomfoolery, if you will. So uh, that's going to do it. I am Madison Browder, and I'm joined as always, or I've been joined as always by my brother Pierce. Thanks for tuning in. Stay blessed, y'all.